Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Light. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Hey, we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by my college basketball partner in crime, Bill Christie. You know him as Lucha Larry on Gambling Twitter, at Larry's Locks 2. The bracket is out. Selection Sunday has uh, arrived, and we have the field of 68 in front of us, and we're breaking it all down now, and hopefully giving you guys some helpful pointers to fill out your brackets as the first four is about 72 hours away, and uh, it should be a really fun week uh, to have the tournament back. A little bit of a different schedule this year, uh, but it's certainly better than nothing. Uh, and we're going to bring a guest aboard on the podcast today as well as we're joined by Matt McEwen. You know him as Dead President on Gambling Twitter. You can find his picks at Dead Pres Picks. Uh, and so it's certainly good to have both of you aboard. Uh, Bill, obviously always fun to talk with you this time of year. Uh, and Matt, welcome to the podcast, guys. It's a fun time. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, definitely really looking forward uh, to diving in uh, to all the games with you guys. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. No, thank you for coming aboard, Prez. You know, Prez has a serious following on Twitter. So, you know, we're <laughs> looking forward to some new listeners on this pod. But, um, Matt, if you could real quick just give us a quick background, um, how you got involved with this, you know, how yeah. you built your brand and, and stuff like that. Yeah, no, um, yeah, so basically for me, um, it's me and one of, one of my buddies, you know, we've known each other our whole life, uh, through high school and college, um, started up the page. It was actually a few years ago, we were watching the Super Bowl game and we were actually kind of telling people a little bit on Twitter and we were like, well, why can't we do this ourselves? You know, we felt like, um, we were always advantaged gamblers. So, uh, we, we came up with the name Dead President Picks, kind of started where, you know, I never really thought it would blow up. Uh, to the de- to the degree that it did, but you know we um really happy uh, to see how it ended up. But for me personally, I got into gambling a little bit when I was younger. Um, kind of like it, it was always in the family, right? Like I had um you know always heard about it, and ever since I was a little kid, I would for four seasons print out full schedules of teams and everything, um and predict the games myself. Obviously, I didn't know what spreads were when I was you know mm-hmm. seven or eight years old, but I, I would, um, you know, always 
I was always really into sports ever since I was little. Once high school hit, um, you know, I heard a little bit about it and started uh, started up with it. And once, you know, college came, I was making money off of it and, and being profitable. And so, you know, I figured it, it would be good to help other people out. Obviously, you know, I'm sure you guys are the same. The longer you gamble, you, you learn some, a little bit more every year. You feel like you um, can be a little bit better every year, but. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I've met a lot of good guys. I've met, you know, you guys through Twitter and um, obviously working with great clients, great people, uh, you know, but like I always say, it's kind of just the beginning, in my opinion, of sports gambling as more states become legal, um, you know, and it's kind of the stigma almost behind gambling has gone. I think it's a really exciting time. Yeah, and that's a good point, and I'm glad you bring that up because it's something Bill and I talk a lot about. Obviously, we all want to take our book down, and that is kind of the only enemy, which is something we – we really stress here with the, the trolls that exist on gambling Twitter. They can get pretty annoying at times, but I, I think that's a good point you make, whether you're winning or, or, or a little down at different times, just the, the overall community that seems to have been nurtured on Twitter the last three, four years, especially it, it seems to be really taking off. And like you said, just a few DMS here or there, and uh, you can kind of uh, get some information out about one another and, and meet each mm-hmm. other, and, and again, everybody's we're all just kind of looking to shoot the breeze and uh, talk about these numbers that are hung on these games and, and have fun. So I, I just think it's a nice little community that has been built on Twitter over these last five years or so. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, I mean, I, I think um, Twitter, in my opinion, is, is the best platform for, you know, I guess the old-fashioned way was, you know, the, the old – they they would give you a number to call in and, and get the picks. You, you know how it used to be. But now I think Twitter's kind of took over um, to a degree of, you know, sports gambling as far as a platform. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's a lot of really good cappers on Twitter. And like you said, everyone everyone does have the same goal at the end of the day. I know it can get a little clouded in, in some people's opinion with, you know, the, the competition. And some people feel like they want other cappers to lose. You know, I, I'll never really get that, but – the end of the day, like you said, everyone wants to do the same thing, just beat their book. Yeah, and real quick before we dive into everything, just piggybacking off your guys' comments about the community, the thing that I've noticed recently that to me is like the coolest thing is um, now that I start my own website, I get alerts from people when they when they jump on and where they're from. So mm-hmm. I got people like from the Philippines. I had somebody today from Poland on there. It's just it's just crazy to to realize what the reach is now because of Twitter. You know, like you mentioned, Matt, like the the phone calls and stuff like that. Yeah, that reach only went so far, right? Like whoever was up at like two a.m. or whatever it was watching those like fake infomercials with those dudes like Steve <laughs> Finer on there. You know, those guys selling their picks through the through the phone calls and the text messages as it came in. But yeah, now Twitter. It's I mean, it's international platform. It's it's just so cool to be able to connect with these kind of people. And like you said, it's really at the end of the day about helping people. You know, I love making people money through giving them picks, but I get a bigger joy, honestly, out of like just giving them the information and letting them make the picks. Like when people are always, I'm sure you have clients that are like, you know, they're really pressing you, like, why do you like this? Why do you like that? And you give them the information. I always try to end it with. Look, if you're uncomfortable, do not let me talk you into the play. Because at the end of the day, it's your money. It's yeah. your final decision. But if we can give them those resources and we allow them to kind of pick our brains on why we feel the way we do and how we do our research and data points, I think that's kind of the coolest thing, helping those guys learn the right way to do it. And, again, at the end of the day, it's all about beating the book. We're all on the same team at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I yeah, agree so, sure. and, and I just want to jump in and say I think that's well said just as far as the information side of things, right? I mean, I think it's so fascinating the more that we do this and the more that, you know, you you pick others' brains on gambling Twitter, just how differently, and maybe we'll get into some of that here, how differently two different people or three different people can look at the same game. And when it comes to information, there's obviously so much out there as far as, you know, advanced metrics and, you know, situational spots and things like that that we always talk about here on this podcast, um, and, you know, certainly not all of it is going to line up on a certain side. You know, there's a reason it's gambling. There's a reason you're obviously still taking a chance at the end of the day. But I think that's probably my favorite thing about doing this and conversing with you guys is mm-hmm. just getting a feel for the difference in opinion and, and how different statistics and information, how it all is interpreted. And, you know, one stat or one nugget could be viewed as a positive by one capper, could be viewed in as a complete 180 by somebody else. And, and that's not bad at all. It's just, the, again, the, the difference in opinion 
and how we all interpret these things, I think can be pretty interesting. Yeah, no, I'd agree. And, and um, like you guys were saying about the, I guess, international side, if you would, like, you know, it, it is interesting because I'll be up a lot of times late at night and Twitter's just as active in a way because, you know, you have clients um, all over the world. And I think that is one of the coolest things, you know, the, getting the interactions, uh, developing also relationships with clients. You know, it's great working with guys for, you know, years. So they, they've been with you. They're familiar with your style. And like you were saying about the um, the picks also, especially you don't want to ever talk someone out of it. I always kind of stress that too, you know, I, I feel like long-term, obviously, you know, I've made money and whatever we do is successful, but that doesn't mean every pick, of course, is going to be right. So, yeah, especially, you know, I'll see cappers give out, like, free picks and people complaining. Nothing really bothers me more than that because <laughs> no one's no one's making you bet the pick, right? Like, it's, right. Well, right, and, like, I'm glad you bring that up because at the end of the day, that's why we all say fade or follow. Like, if you're going to fade my picks, like, I'm not going to, like, turn a cold eye to you or, or think yeah. you're the worst in the world, you know, like, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, especially as, you, you know, you're on Twitter longer, especially, I always make fun of the guys who make, like, egg accounts to, like, <laughs> just put, like, fade. I think it's, I, I mean, I kind of think it's funny, you know, these people are actually taking time out of their day to, to create right. accounts. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if I always just say to people, you know, tell who you feel like you, you're profitable with. Everyone probably has a different opinion. Um, you know, certain cappers work better for other people, but as long as you're following someone who, who's transparent, honest, and, um, you know, hopefully winning, I, I think that's the best formula. Any last words here before we jump into the field of 68? No, no let's I'm, get into it, I'm all it, right man. if you guys are, yeah. Yeah, but dying, yeah, so dying for it. That? I'm just glad we got it, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I got a tournament yeah no. Here saying, we are uh, as Selection Sunday, as I said is basically in the rearview mirror now. We record late on a Sunday evening into Monday morning. Um, and we're going to really not give out a ton of picks here, just kind of share our thoughts on the bracket and some teams that we're going to be eyeing up over the next two, three weeks. Uh, we'll start with, uh, you know, some of the first-round matchups that we're catching an eye on as far as the uh, opening round games. Um, I don't know if anybody has a first four game that they're looking at, but other than that, just as far as games being played on Friday and Saturday uh, at the end of the week. Um, I, I guess, uh, Matt, let's start with you, uh, Prez, being our guest. Uh, do you have a, a matchup or two in the first round that it really caught your eye? Yeah, so I was looking, um, you know, I, obviously every matchup's going to be great in its own right, but I think Creighton-Santa Barber is going to be a really interesting matchup. Um, I actually had Santa Barber knocking them all in that first round. Kind of one of those, I wouldn't even call it a long shot with them being a 12. I haven't seen an official line um, on yeah, that game like yet. Yeah, I'm seeing like around six right now. Yeah, I think that's just too much. I mean, I, I think Creighton, you know, like I've said, they, they've kind of been a tell two seasons. You know, obviously they had some um, issues also within the program that might be affecting right. them a little bit. You know, which I think is a really realistic thing to weigh in. Um, Gosh, how yeah. about that score yesterday in the Big East title? Yeah, I mean, and that was crazy, too. We actually had Creighton first half. It was one of the picks that I, I thought they were going to come on fire, and I was kind of, you know, Georgetown. They beat a Villanova team who wasn't full strength, and then, you know, they, they did play pretty well against Seton Hall, but I don't think – I think Seton Hall kind of muffed away that game a little bit. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, they, they just didn't really come to play. But, I mean, Georgetown was extremely impressive. I just, you know, I, I feel like Creighton, to me, is a very beatable team, and I just think it's a pretty good matchup. Um for Santa Barbara. And the other one, I guess, you know, if I was looking at another matchup to really keep your eye on as far as, you know, the quality of game, I think Syracuse and San Diego State is going to be a great game. Um, I, I, I have San Diego State actually going to the Sweet 16, so I think they're going to be able to get past Syracuse. But to me, that's one of the one of the better games. I think that you'll see, I believe that line right now, like Syracuse was a one, one and a half point favorite. Or, I'm sorry, San Diego State was. yeah. Um, which I, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm seeing three now. Oh, uh, might've jumped up. See that, that's why I was looking at a few lines. I was going to say I had it more at like three, three and a half. I think people are overreacting a little bit. Um, what, Syracuse like taking UVA down to the wire there? Yeah. Like I think Syracuse is a good team. I don't think that they're, I think their rebounding is a huge issue. Um, defensively, I think mm -hmm. that, you know, the zone has so many, obviously, great parts to it, but rebounding, and they're not a very big team. Like, they're not a physical team inside. 
So I think that they could get bullied inside a little bit. I think uh, San Diego State wins the game, but I mean, those are, if I had to highlight two games that I think, you know, to really keep your eye on, I think they'll be great games. And, um, you know, like I said, every game hopefully is great in its own right, but I think those two especially really stuck out to me. Bill, how about you? What are you eyeing up? Yeah, I mean, outside of what Prez just gave out, definitely the Syracuse game is definitely intriguing. And you said the rebounding thing uh, with them. It's funny because, you know, obviously they defend the three really well, and San Diego State does not shoot the three – or, sorry, does shoot the three well. So to see that kind of matchup would be interesting. I think it all will come down to how San Diego State decides how they want to run that game. If they're going to go inside, like you're saying, they're going to get the win. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's more so how San Diego State plays that game. But jumping off to a couple more matchups that I was looking at, the one that, that hit me immediately was the Colgate-Arkansas matchup in the first round here. Um, you got two teams who are very good offensively. Colgate is uh, 43rd in Kempom, Arkansas being 35th. Um, but Colgate just, I grant I get it, they're in a bad league, um, but they're still putting up ridiculous numbers, scoring the ball. And we all know come March, if you get a team that's hot and they're able to knock down deep shots and this team is third in the country in three-point percentage. They're shooting it at a 40% clip. So if these guys get hot and Arkansas gets down early and, you know, we see Musselman's head about to explode off his body when he's <laughs> screaming at his kids, you know, who knows? You know, crazier things have happened. So that that was definitely one that stuck out to me. Um, and then the other one that really, really stuck out to me, um, and it's kind of easy to call because it's an 8-9 game, um, but it's a team that I was really, really high on. Uh, early on in the season, I think I know where you're going with this. against a team who's been pretty red hot that I don't want to go against because they cashed my forty to one ticket to win the ACC tournament, um, yeah. and that's the Loyola Chicago and Georgia Tech matchup. I mean, a classic eight nine with, uh, and the winner of that is going to get arguably one of the hottest team, arguably the hottest team in the country in Illinois, because mm-hmm. um, I think unfortunately for the Drexel Dragons they don't stand a shot in that one. Um, but it's, it's, it's tough for Loyola Chicago. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they were really hoping, I was at least hoping they were going to get a seven seed. Uh, cause I think they could do, do more damage in the tournament that way. But the way that Georgetown or George Tech's been playing as of recent, um, and Loyola Chicago, obviously having that Cinderella story from previous years, uh, leads me to say that that eight, nine seed matchup is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and Bill, you kind of stole my thunder there because that was the game that I had highlighted: Virginia, or excuse me, Georgia Tech against Loyola Chicago. I, I was a little, I was very curious to see how Georgia Tech was going to play uh, last night against Florida State. I did bet Florida State and obviously lost on that one, but I was the situational spot kind of questioned me a little as far as Georgia Tech because you mentioned the Yellow Jackets having played well. They had covered seven straight spreads going into the ACC tournament. But then I thought things didn't really quite line up that well for them last night because they had not played very well in their quarterfinal and they were fortunate to advance against Miami. And then they had the COVID game against UVA. So I really wasn't sure, you know, mentally kind of a lot of things going on there, having almost lost to Miami and then obviously not playing against Virginia and then taking on Florida State, who just had the good semifinal game with uh, North Carolina. And they obviously looked the part. And and so I think that was a very telltale sign uh, on Saturday night for Georgia Tech with how well they played, particularly down the stretch. Um, And Loyola Chicago, I mean, uh, Ken Palm has them as a number nine team overall in the country, you know. So um, maybe less so Georgia Tech, but certainly Loyola Chicago. I thought these were two teams that were pretty underseeded. And, you know, the Yellow Jackets, I mean, gosh, they won the regular season series. Or, well, they played the rubber match in the title game last night. But uh, they won the season series against Georgia Tech. Or, excuse me, against Florida State. Uh, You know, and Florida State's a four seed. You know, so I, I thought a nine was probably a little harsh for Georgia Tech and certainly an eight for Loyola Chicago. I thought they could have been better there. Again, Ken Palm seems to like them number one in defensive efficiency are the Ramblers. So uh, definitely uh, intrigued to see where that that game goes. And obviously, as you said, the winner of that game getting Illinois, um, you know, well, I'll get to Illinois in a minute, uh, but uh, later on, uh, but certainly – when it comes to eight, nine games, uh, you're not going to do much better. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you about the seeding. I, I made a point earlier this week where I said if, if Loyola was a seven, I think that they could go on a run as an eight. I don't think they could knock off any right. any one. So, I agree. I mean, I think they kind of got screwed a bit, um, like you were saying. I, I guess it came down to the committee saying, you know, strength of schedule. It's tough to evaluate teams like that, in my opinion, just because we really didn't see them play anyone too great. And like you said, Georgia Tech, I mean, they just beat Florida State to win the ACC championship. So I think that's going to be a rock fight. I think it's going to be a, a defensive battle, and it should come down to the wire. But I agree, that's going to be that's going to be a hell of a game. So let's move on and go to uh, one of the more enjoyable things of the tournament and what makes March March is, of course, the Cinderella's that can always surprise here or there, double-digit seeds getting to the second weekend, mid-major programs, uh, you know, go- Butler, Virginia Commonwealth, whoever it's been, George Mason going back much further, but uh, whoever it has been in the last two decades or so that can get all the way to a Final Four. Um, I actually want to get started here on this one uh, because, Prez, you brought this team up earlier, uh, and a team that I think is pretty live here, you mentioned them getting to the Sweet 16. Uh, I could see at least the Sweet 16 and maybe more for San Diego State. Ken Palm's got them 20th in the nation, 11th in defensive efficiency. And you're talking about them potentially drawing West Virginia in the second round, a team that uh, Ken Palm, again, just has them flat out better than. So I think that's telling. Uh, they're coming in on a 14-game winning streak. Obviously, you take that with a grain of salt. But granted, the mid, the Mountain West normally has been one of the better mid-major conferences in America. Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle, they kind of have that inside-outside combination, and both of them shoot pretty well from three-point land. Uh, Brian Dutcher has really just picked up right where Steve Fisher left off with that program. Uh, it sounds like uh, Brian Dutcher's name is going to come up when the coaching carousel starts spinning as well because San Diego State, remember last year, Malachi Flynn, first-round draft pick, and, and they kind of just picked up and kept the train rolling this year. Uh, so I like them to beat Syracuse, and I think they can beat West Virginia. And then beyond that, you know, obviously Houston, you know, if that is the matchup in the Sweet 16, Houston very impressive this weekend in the conference tournament, uh, winning the American. But, uh, you know, it was still – I think the, there are some shakes in the armor at times for the Cougars. The Tigers of Memphis took them right down to the wire in the American semifinal. Granted, obviously, it was a non-contest today against Cincinnati – uh, but no reason to think, I mean, if that were the matchup, I think you're probably talking about a, a five, six point line probably for in favor of Houston and, you know, no reason to think in a battle of two of the better mid-majors that the Aztecs couldn't make a few more plays down the stretch. Uh, you know, and then at that point, if they are able to pull the, pull the upset there, you're talking about getting to a regional final. So uh, I don't think that's anywhere off the radar for San Diego state, uh, to perhaps get to the elite eight. Again, Illinois sitting as that number one seed in the top half of that bracket, but I do like the draw for the Aztecs in the bottom half to at least get to the regional final. And then uh, maybe less so here, but I'll throw another team on on people's radars. The Winthrop Eagles, I did kind of like the way this looks for them the first weekend, facing a, a downtrodden and injured Villanova team that, you know, they draw a five seed. And, uh, you know, Bill, I know you're a big Nova guy, but you know I, I'm not sure that this is the team that makes another deep run uh, for Jay Wright. And, and then potentially Winthrop. You know, Winthrop's only lost one game, and I know obviously it was a big south, but they're obviously coming in, playing well with confidence, having won and covered a bunch of big spreads in the big south conference tournament. Uh, and then they're probably getting, if they were to pull that classic 5-12 upset over Villanova, you'd be looking at Winthrop playing Purdue. Uh, and the Boilermakers are a pretty well-rounded team, but I feel like most years, and I don't think this is any different with Purdue, we're talking about the Boilermakers as like a, a well-rounded team that maybe doesn't do anything elite. I mean, uh, gosh, Carson Edwards, for the most part, we know them for guard play, or excuse me, for big front court play, and Trayvon Williams is certainly a stud in his own right. Uh, but for the most part, obviously, other than Carson Edwards, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of any you know top end of the country guards that have come through the Purdue program. So at least in recent memory, I, I think that given the way Winthrop's been playing, they're coming in with some confidence uh, facing Villanova, who's a little bit down relative to previous years for the Wildcats, and uh, then potentially Purdue. I don't think that's too daunting of a task for Winthrop to perhaps get to the second weekend. So those are a couple of the mid majors that I think could make some runs. 
taking out my Nova Wildcats. Yeah, right sorry, but, but I think that's one. <laughs> you're going to doubt. Over. You're going to doubt Jay and all these guys. Come on, man. Let me put it this way. I, I'm with you. I think Winthrop could upset them very easily, but it, it also does seem to be the trendy dog pick that everybody's on already as soon as the bracket yeah. came out. I'll say this, and I'm going to die on this hill. I've put it out there. I've been on record that Gillespie isn't really that big of a loss. Granted, it seems like he has been. I think the bigger issue is the fact that Justin Moore got dinged up right away because that kid can flat-out play. He's going to be a player of the year candidate before his career is over at Nova. If he can get back healthy come this game and be at 100%, like uh, they can easily handle Winthrop as well. But that being said, if he's not, and this Winthrop team that can, you know, run with anybody, I can see them, you know, getting past Nova, and then who knows, again, like against this Purdue team, and that's, you know, barring they get past the Green Machine in North Texas, too. So sure. we'll see what that mm-hmm. matchup becomes. But um, I'll, I'll real quick just give a couple of mine, uh, of my potential in the rows. Uh, I really like the Oregon team as a seven seed here. Uh, I like the draw they got, as crazy as it sounds, with Iowa being – you know, as loaded as they are. We've talked about it all year, how susceptible they are on the defensive end. Right. This Oregon team is now 100% healthy. Look, they lost to Oregon State. I think Oregon State rivaled the 1985 Nova team for uh, shooting percentage in the game. They just could not miss. So, you know, you kind of throw that game away. I expect Oregon to bounce back against the VCU team. Um, and obviously, if they get past Iowa, you know, who knows who they match up with later. Florida, and at that point, the whole region opens up. Right, exactly. So I could easily see them getting into the Sweet 16 from that seven spot. So that's definitely a team to keep our eye on. Um, and then the other one that I would say would be – it's hard for me to do this, but I'm going to say it is, – is the Bonnies at nine. I mean, they got a really tough matchup with LSU, but I really like what, say, Bonaventure – has done this season. I'm looking more forward to what they're going to do next season as wow. they bring all, all their guys back. We heard from you about Michigan, and here you are now. <laughs> hey, that was before everybody got hurt, right? That's before we knew yeah. Livers was out, and Livers you know they looked out, like right. what they looked like, and yeah, it makes me nervous. So I really think the Bonnies can get it done. And honestly, even if it's not them, if um if LSU gets by, I think no matter what team advances both of those teams are going to kind of give Michigan some fits. Not saying that they can definitely win, but I definitely think that they have a better shot than most 8-9 seeds would have going against their one uh, in their region. Fred, how about you? Who are you eyeing up? Yeah, so um, my, I guess you would call them Cinderella stories. So I actually, the only uh, double-digit seed that I had going through to the Sweet 16 was Santa Barbara. Um, I had them like I was saying earlier, knocking off Creighton, but I've already talked about that one, so I'll try and throw two other ones um, out for you guys. If you would consider UConn uh, a long shot as a seven seed, I kind of liked their draw because my thing with UConn was that just scares me is sometimes the droughts offensively that they go through, and I know Bama um, is kind of the opposite where they're a high-tempo team, um, you know, who, who wants to run up and down the court. But I think if UConn can get Bama into their style of play, um, where they kind of muck it up more, you know, slow the game down and control the tempo. I won't be shocked if they knocked off Bama. I think Bama's proved they're really beatable. They kind of give me a little bit of the, the Iowa vibe where they don't play a whole lot of defense. They want to get up and down. Obviously, right. it's well documented, you know, how often they shoot threes. Well, well, and certainly LSU took them right down to the wire today. Yeah, right. Like, look at a game like that. And I think you can play pretty good, um, you know, down the stretch. Obviously, that Creighton game. I honestly think they kind of threw that game away. You know, they had a lead late. I just don't think they closed that game, uh, you know, particularly well. But I think that UConn has a really good shot um, at knocking off Bama. I think they, they can get by Maryland. I think that's going to be a, a tighter game than some people expect. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of UConn. I think they're well coached. I think, you know, any time that you have a guy like Booknight who can take over a game um, this time of year, it, it's a massive advantage. And, like I said, if they can get Bama into playing their style of play, I think they have a really good shot at Bama. And Bama's a, a tough team to back because, you know, we, we, we've we seen when they've gone a little bit cold from three, they don't really have a, a different style of play. Like they don't have a big mm-hmm. that they, they, they immediately play through. Um, you know, they rely heavily on the shooting, which is good most nights, but it only takes one night to be off. So I, I like them. Um, you know, I, I think that you guys hit also on San Diego State. That was another – um, dark horse for me. I have them also knocking off uh, West Virginia 
And I, I, so to give you guys the other one that I think, again, they're not a, a double-digit seed, but I, I think that this would be surprising to many. I have USC actually going all the mm. way to the Elite Eight, so I have them going through, you know, the winner of Wichita State Drake, and then I have them knocking off Kansas. And I actually had Oregon beating Iowa, so I would have a Pac-12 rematch uh, between USC and Oregon to get, you know, to play Gonzaga. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I think it's really possible. You know, obviously USC has – has a star uh, in Mobley who can can take over games. I, I think their length and the way that they can match up a little bit. Like I'm not a, I'm not high on Kansas. I just haven't been all year mm-hmm. um, offensively. I just think again they're yeah they're a team. You know we've seen them good. Yeah, they're throughout. certainly challenged there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, to me, I think USC's the a, a, a long shot um, team that can definitely make some noise because I think the talents there, and you know they, they've proved that they're never out of games. Um, you know, with with the star power that they had, you look at the game against Colorado. I think they were down like twelve when we were on Colorado money line, and it turned into a yep. sweat real quick. They they were up down twelve with like three minutes, and uh, obviously it came down to a game winning tip in um, for Colorado. So I, I I like betting on teams. You know, that you you see, you know that that they can play late in games, that they have ability to close games out. And the other team again, I, I wouldn't at all call it a long shot. I love Purdue. I kind of hate that they got Baylor because Baylor's been you know, my team that, that I, I put a little bit ahead of Gonzaga this year. So I think that's a bad matchup for them. But I I love the way – I know you guys were also talking about Winthrop beating uh, Villanova and maybe matching up with Purdue. I love uh, I love Purdue at the value that you can maybe get them, you know, for a long shot to make the the Elite Eight. Obviously, you you would get tremendous value because they'd have to get through Ballard. I don't think they would get through Ballard, but I think that that's, that's going to be a really good game and people don't – um, you know, won't give Purdue a ton of credit. But yeah, so th- those would be a few, I-, I guess, you would consider. I don't have a real double digit, like we were saying. There's going to be one, I'm sure, you know, there is every year. But, yeah, sure. Um, to me, I don't have any, you know, making a Final Four or Elite Eight push. Like I said, Santa Barbara, though, is my Elite Eight, or I'm sorry, Sweet 16 team. That's a uh, double digit seed. Sure. Yeah, well, there's normally always one or two that find their way to that second weekend. Let's take a break. Uh, and we'll come back, and we will uh, run through some of our uh, favorite. We kind of already hinted at some matchups for the second weekend. We'll look at some of the best potential matchups that we're eyeing up uh, for the second weekend and ended up with our favorite picks to win each region. This is Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. We're back in a few minutes. Some mornings you wake up feeling ready to... Pull the covers over your head and go back to sleep. No judgment, of course, but let's make sure that you have the most comfortable sheets. And the reason why is, well, don't you love your sheets? Brooklinen has you covered. So, Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Brooklinen as the first direct-to-consumer betting company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and mat materials to fit your needs and tastes. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident you will love their products. They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. Go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code UNCONTESTED to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter the promo code UNCONTESTED to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. brooklinen.com and use the promo code UNCONTESTED at checkout. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by my college basketball partner in crime, Lucha Larry. You know him on gambling Twitter as at Larry's Locks 2. Uh, I know him as Bill Christie. Matt McEwen, our guest today on Full Slate. You know him as Dead President on gambling Twitter. Find his picks at Dead Prez Picks on gambling Twitter. Uh, as we continue to move along uh, and look through the field of 68. March Madness is back, um, and I will admit, guys, it'll be a little weird having the first four on a Thursday, but 
once we get going again, it'll just feel good. I, I thought a little bit this week about just how uh, kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is, you know, somber, disappointed. You know, I, I was a year ago when, you know, COVID was kind of first hitting and shutting things down, and, and March Madness was really the first major sporting event that we lost. Yeah, I mean, I was talking today with, with some of my buddies about that. Um, you know, just the fact that we, we finally, uh, you know, get March Madness back. It feels like it's been such a long time. And, you know, to me, it's the best sporting event, um, you know, especially the, the first uh, couple days. Best postseason for sure, yeah. Yes, I can't wait. Anything, by the way, um, you know, we don't have this circled as, like, th- something we wanted to highlight, but – Anything, by the way, as far as the way this bubble went? I mean, gosh, there was some noise about Duke yesterday. Now, you know, Pop may be coming back, and Bill, we certainly spent plenty of the last few months clowning uh, the Blue Devils. Uh, just anything as far as uh, the way the bubble broke down? Uh, I don't have anything in particular. I mean, it's kind of weird, right, because Duke, Duke was the first ones to get hit with it. They weren't even in the bubble, right? They were at their own hotel. And then you hear about Kansas, and then you hear about Virginia, and I was like, oh, man. Everything was set in. I'm like, we're going to end up losing this thing. You know, we're so close to the finish line, getting done the conference tournaments, getting into the uh, to the uh, NCAA tournament, and then all this stuff starts popping up again. But, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do exactly in Indy. God forbid one of these teams, you know, has a right. case of it. I guess they just are going to have to forfeit, which I don't even want to think about. I would hate for that to have to happen. Um, but I did think it was funny you mentioned, you know, that team down in Dorm that we talk about often. All of a sudden they're like, oh, we might be available to play yeah, in a tournament right. if, if somebody drops out, you know. <laughs> so what, what, what if a one seed drops out? You guys are going to pop in there or something? Like, come on, man. You guys decided your season was over. You announced it. Be done with it. Move on to next year. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, – I, I went on Instagram Live like before and, and – did our little show with my partner and we were just talking about the fact that you know it's something to think about you know even with future bets that any of these teams could yeah. get hit you know and not yeah really. i mean i'm happy that with the, i know you guys were just hitting on duke a little bit i took a long shot with them to win the acc tourney kind of just as a, a mess around bet and I, that's because i felt like that it was wide open or like yeah. anyone could win the acc not saying that I think that they would have, you know, but it's unfortunate for Duke. It just felt like Duke was never really in it this year to me, it, like mentally, uh, even, you yeah. know, at the beginning of the year with Coach K, that whole thing where, you know, they, they stayed away from a few games and then Johnson leaving the team. So, yeah, I mean, I, you just got to pray that none of these teams, you know, come down with it and God forbid where it, it's spread to, you know, multiple teams. You know, you just, just pray for the best when it comes to, uh, to that. But it's something realistic to think about that any of these teams could just – you know, a COVID case could just end the year. It's a scary thought, but it's definitely possible. Like, could you imagine being that walk-on? Like, God forbid that was in the in this yeah, tournament. Yeah, and by the way, like, like – You're you know, ruining I, a senior, I, senior year? Like, oh, my God. I can't yeah. – I guys felt about this, but, like – and I went to school for journalism, but, like, come on, Jeff Goodman. Like, you're really going to report that it was a walk-on? Uh, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, I thought – I already see yeah, I don't know the code on it at all, but I can't imagine that's it. Like, to, to reveal a name, it, or I, I don't know if they did the name or whatever, the walk-on, but the bottom line is, is I, I'm with you, because whoever that walk-on is, you don't want to be that kid on campus. So let's go ahead and look at just, uh, we kind of already hinted at it with some of the Cinderella's and, and potential matchups uh, as we move into the deeper parts of the tournament. Um, but let's just look at some of the matchups that we would love to see. Um, you know, Bill kind of highlighted this as just like, you know, if you could pick one matchup later on, you know, post first round, let's say, let's say where, uh, you know, in a perfect world, you could see these two teams square off. What would it be? I'll let you guys start here. Yeah. So for me, um, you know, the, the matchup I really did want to see, overall would be it's you know it can, it, can it be past effort does it matter when it is no it's the region right we're going yeah we're trying to keep it within the trying region to keep yeah. it within the region yeah i mean anybody can say they'd love to see gonzaga versus illinois for the title <laughs> yeah so for me it'll be a little bit earlier so i i would say sweet 16 i really want to see uh you know cade get to play illinois i think that that would be you know great tv great matchup i've been high on oklahoma state all year um, you know, just with kind of having like, you know, veteran guys like Ice Likely and 
you know, they, they got yeah. the Bruins. Um, and obviously, Cade being the best player in the country, I don't think they'll beat Illinois, but I think that game is going to come down to the wire. I mean, we just saw what they did against Baylor, and to tell you the truth, I didn't really think that they had much of a shot against Baylor. I believe that spread was like 9 or, or mm-hmm. 10. So yeah, they were they were, heavy, yeah, 9. And I can't imagine they'd be 9 against Illinois. I don't know what that line would be, but it wouldn't be 9. So, I mean, I think that um, in, yeah, I believe that's the Midwest region, right? Yeah, so in that region, that would be the matchup that I think, you know, would, would be probably the best out of that, that region. I just, I think that there's obviously, like I said, having Cade, anytime you get to watch him play in IU and, you know, like you guys were touching, Illinois might be the hottest team coming in uh, to the tournament. I think Oklahoma state might be one of the hottest teams coming into the tournament, despite that loss uh, yesterday against Texas. I mean, look, they beat West Virginia. They beat, um, they beat Baylor, so they, they they're definitely still trending the right way despite that loss. So for me, that that's a matchup that I'm I'm praying that we get to see, and I think that we will. Yeah, I'm with you. I actually had that the same exact matchup in in that region, Illinois mm-hmm. State, to see um, Io and Kofi go against Cade and his guys. Uh, it's yeah, going to be right. an exciting matchup for sure. Like you said it, like you took the words right out of my mouth. Like they're both teams that have been trending in the right direction. Oklahoma mm-hmm. State has been doubted by the books, by pretty much everybody, um, game in, game out, and they just constantly get the job done. They've constantly won outright as dogs. Again, they're going to be a dog in this matchup if they get there, too. And, you know, I'm not saying they can definitely beat Illinois, but, I mean, the track record speaks for itself. These guys have been playing unbelievable as a two- to five-point dog, and I got a feeling if it gets there, we're going to see a line close to that number as well. So it'll be interesting to see that. That's definitely a matchup I want to see in the Midwest. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not going to, uh, you know, talk you guys down on that one for sure. As, uh, you know, Oklahoma State and Bill, I, I know it was something that we were talking about. Uh, I'm curious. I know that you, we, you know, not as high on Kansas this year. But mm-hmm. Bill and I were both kind of saying how it felt like the whole year uh, the Big Ten was getting a lot of the notoriety, and rightfully so. It was the best conference in the country. But the Big 12 was kind of flying under the radar where, you know, you had – and Oklahoma appears to have peaked a little early, but you had, you know, Oklahoma playing some big-time teams, you know, uh, you know, also non-conference. They picked up a win against Alabama. And obviously, you know, at one point in the year, you know, you had Texas Tech – you know, playing really well. And Baylor obviously is a number one seed and Oklahoma state is seemingly playing its best basketball right now. And Oh, by the way, Texas won the conference tournament. So it yeah. really feels like you have all these teams in the big 12 that you can make legitimations to make deep runs in the tournament. And all year it was just big 10, big 10, big 10 shoved down our throats by the national media. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but it did kind of feel like the big 12 was getting overlooked and, it w- it would be kind of ironic if that ends up being a regional semifinal with you know Illinois playing as well as they've been playing uh, facing off against the uh, Cowboys. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I I was on the other side. I don't know what, what you two uh, were, but I was actually in the opinion of the Big Twelve being the better conference. I think wow. the Big Ten obviously had more teams. They had more teams get in, um, but to me, the the teams in the Big Twelve, I think overall, you know, if you took the top. Right. Teams in each conference, you know what I mean? Top mm-hmm. three, four, whatever. Right, because at the end of the day, like, okay, who really cares about Maryland or Rutgers being That's what I mean, right? Like, I mean, they might win a game, but they're not, in my opinion, I mean, you know, who knows, it's March Madness, but they're not making any noise. So, I mean, I think that, yeah, there was more teams, of course, that came out of the Big Ten, but the strength, the better teams overall, to me, always were the Big 12. By the way, not a coincidence at all that we see Michigan State against UCLA in that first four game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I that was that's what's intriguing uh, for sure. What's is that Wednesday or Tuesday that game? I don't know. No, they're playing all the first four on Thursday with the scheduling being quirky. Oh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I was just talking to someone about that. Yeah, that's another wrinkle to throw in also. But um, yeah, I, that should be a really exciting game also. Yeah, so I want to. Um, I know uh, Prez was on UC Santa Barbara as a. Uh, you know, an interesting double-digit seed, and um, I, I maybe this is just my kind of, you know, like I said, I went to school for journalism, I, I have a full-time job in radio, uh, maybe this is just me trying to drum up a narrative here, but I, I immediately got a little excited about potentially Virginia squaring off against 
Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. And listen, I realize that it is a little bit of conjecture on my part with Virginia because, you know, from a gambling standpoint, I'm not going to be on Virginia, you know, in the first weekend because we just don't know what's going on with the program and and, and the players in quarantine. So, again, more conjecture on my part. But if you're going to give me the defending national champs, and if they are, you know, just for argument's sake and for the purpose of answering our, you know, our topic here, if you're going to tell me that Virginia looks like the team that won, won the regular season title in the ACC, uh, you know, and by the way, was a better offensive team than a normal Virginia team this year. I mean, you know, I believe they were, yeah, 12th in offensive efficiency this year. So you're going to give me that team squaring off against Gonzaga. And listen, Bill and I have talked about it plenty this year. People can clown, clown Gonzaga all they want, but the Bulldogs played a very challenging non-conference schedule. And, uh, you know, it, it would just be, you know, one more of those types of matchups. Uh, and like I said, the number one overall seed facing the defending national champion still, I mean, how can you not get excited about that? So that was kind of the one that I was looking at. But again, like I said, it's a lot of inference as far as what's going to happen with the Who's here in the next 72 to 96 hours. Yeah, I like yeah. that idea too. I don't. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But like you said, nobody knows really what's going on with this Virginia program. So, who knows if we'll actually even get to see them play against Ohio, which I mean, obviously we hope to have it happen. Um, but I'm going to go a little deeper into this one. And it would be uh, if the one and two were actually able to meet up here. And I know I mentioned that I'm not super high on Iowa making it all the way there. But if they somehow do get to Gonzaga. Um, to see Drew Timmy versus Luca Garza, to me, is just going to be so fun to watch. You know, I know everybody loves the running gun, up and down offensive type stuff, but I'm kind of old school, and I want to see these two guys battle it out inside. Garza's been playing against some of the best big men in the country all season long within the Big Ten. Drew Timmy, obviously, early on in the year, was going up against some decent squads, but then they had their conference schedule where he kind of was just a big dog and was able to eat as much as he wanted to. Having him go against Garza, I'd love to see that matchup. Yeah, and by the way, like, uh, since let's just stay in that region. Like, I'm just curious. Like, we've talked a lot about matchups and you know Cinderellas. Like, number one seed Gonzaga. Like, what did you guys think about this draw for them? Prez, I know you're high on UC Santa Barbara, so mm-hmm. I suppose you're maybe not seeing a challenging game for Gonzaga until that regional final. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I mean, I think I would never say it's a cakewalk in March Madness, but it's about as close to it for Gonzaga, in my opinion, all the way up to the Elite Eight. You know, I think that Iowa's a tough team to evaluate. I have them losing to uh, to Oregon. I know some people uh, feel highly on Iowa. I just haven't been able um, to get high, even if Gonzaga, you know, drew them. We saw that game earlier in the season. I think it's a similar game. I've said I don't think – you know, the team to knock off Gonzaga is going to be that team that likes to get up and down the court. I, I was the other way. I think it's going to be a team who plays slower style and makes them kind of get into an uncomfortable game. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think Gonzaga is like the team every year people, you know, constantly bash Gonzaga. Like you guys were saying earlier, it's not like they played a cupcake schedule this year. I mean, they, they answered every test uh, that was thrown at them. We saw the BYU game they got down, and, I mean, it felt like it took them two minutes in the second half to be back in control of that game. So, I mean, I think people love to bash Gonzaga, but when it comes time, everyone's consistently betting on Gonzaga. I think it's just kind of a, um, you know, stereotype. They don't play yeah. anyone. But. And by the way, like, it wasn't that long ago. They it, Granted, it was a bad game, but they played for the national championship against North Carolina, you know? and Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's not like they've been, you know, coming in every year and, and losing in the first round or round the 32. I mean, they've been pretty good in my I mean maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong but in recent memory um come March so I mean I I think that uh to me they have the easiest yeah I think they have the easiest bracket like I said I think the east is the deepest one and I I would call the west the, the weakest so I suppose that's the perfect segue here as we wrap things up on full slate a blue wire gambling podcast let's just look at uh the regions and uh just teams that we're looking at as far as uh, you know, our favorite final four uh, picks uh, to be one of the last four standing. You know, we've obviously hinted at them at various points throughout the last 45 minutes. But I, I, I just, I, you know, I hate to be boring, but I have to go with Illinois as my favorite pick to win a region. Uh, I, and I'm probably going to have Illinois winning the national championship because we talked about the Big Ten 
and the depth that exists within the league from top to bottom. And obviously today they needed overtime against Ohio State, but Illinois has, I mean, they go smack Michigan in Ann Arbor. And, you know, for the most part yesterday in that semifinal against Iowa, they're in control of that one. I, I think right now they are playing better than, you know, relative to the league that they're playing in, right? And they're still dominating for the most part. I mean, obviously, like I said, overtime today, but they're finding ways to win in more ways than one. Uh, and, and again, I think this draw actually sets up pretty well for them in this region. I think that their second round in uh, Sweet 16 games might actually be a little more challenging than the regional final because I talked about San Diego, and we've talked about San Diego State in that Midwest region as far as, you know, teams that can make a little bit of a run. That bottom half of that bracket with, you know, San Diego State, West Virginia, Houston, you know, I don't think there's anybody that is really striking fear into Illinois the way maybe Oklahoma State could if uh, Kate Cunningham obviously takes over. And, and like we said, Loyola, Chicago, and Georgia Tech, some of the more underseeded teams were thinking in the entire bracket. So obviously not calling for any of those teams to upset Illinois. Uh, and I do think if they can get to that Elite Eight, then things might open up and in a weird way. It, they, they might actually I, – I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a test you know, whether it's one of those Georgia Techs or Loyola Chicago's. Remember last or two years ago, uh, the last tournament, Duke, you know, survived against Central Florida there in the closing seconds. Um, and, and really probably, you know, the, the ball's hanging on the rim there and, and, and Duke ends up winning. I wouldn't be surprised if Illinois got pushed, uh, maybe not to that degree, but definitely had to answer the bell. And you mentioned Io and, and uh, Kobe Cockburn. Let's not forget about some of the other guards back there. Bill, I know you're pretty high on Andre Corbello. And Trent Frazier uh, seems to uh, chip in when needed, knock down outside shots, and obviously is very good from the free throw line. So, uh, yeah, I- I'm going to be on the fighting now. They're probably going to be my pick to win the national championship. Yeah, so I, I, had, uh, I have Illinois actually in the uh, national championship. My pick to win it um, is Gonzaga, though. I mean – like I said, it's not the most exciting bracket matchup, but I think they're they're the two best teams in the country. Um, but my, I guess the the one team for me to watch out if we we're talking about a Final Four that might be a little bit different than most people. I have Florida State getting to the Final Four, which um, you know they they draw. In my opinion, it, it isn't the easiest path. I think they'll see Colorado, um, you know, in the round of thirty two, and then. Michigan, and, you know, if they win that, they'll probably see a combination of Texas, Batman, and maybe UConn if they were able uh, to sneak by. But I've loved this Florida State team all year. I think they're one of the most athletic, if not the most athletic team in the country. I think, um, you know, they can match up with anyone. They have great length. They're a well-coached team. I've just been really high on them. At times, I worry a little bit about, you know, their outside shooting. They can, yeah. um, you know, get a little inconsistent. But I, to me, they just have a lot of, like, athletes. It's kind of a similar team you know like a step off of where Houston is as far as you know they just have a lot of guys who are just very natural athletes defensively you know they they they, I think they can match up well though um in terms of depth on a lot of teams so Florida State to me is that team that is going to get on a run like I said I was high on Michigan all year coming in before the livers injury I was probably going to ride Michigan um as, as my team just felt like their year you know, Howard's done a great job with the team and um, top to bottom. I mean, they're a very deep team. But without Livers, you know, I don't know if anyone really knows his full status, but that's a major difference to me, you know, if he goes, if he doesn't go. And I don't think they're playing their best basketball coming in. Yeah, by the way, quick side note on Michigan. Like, what did you guys think? I really did not like the way they approached the final possession there against Ohio State in that semifinal. I thought they should have tried to get something going towards the basket. You're only down one. You can yeah. win the game with a layup. Maybe you get fouled. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, Liddell switched off on the guard. I thought it would have been perfect for him to break him down and try and get to the hoop. I, I just, just a little micro note there. I didn't like the way they managed that last possession. Yeah, I didn't love the way they're, that's what I mean. Like, I don't love the way they're playing coming in right. March. Where you look at a team like Illinois, who you hit on earlier, I mean, they're playing probably the best basketball in the country. So, I mean, this time of year, I like to ride teams who are, you know, playing at their best. Um, and obviously, when you have, an injury to a guy that maybe is the most important player on your team. If he doesn't go, 
I, I think it can cause a lot of issues for Michigan. So for me, you know, Florida State, so my final four, you know, would be Florida State, Gonzaga, Baylor, and uh, Illinois National Championship would be Illinois, Gonzaga, and I have Gonzaga taken at home. Interesting stuff, fellas, interesting stuff. You know, Greg, you alluded to it earlier. We kept talking about Big Ten being the best conference and how the Big 12 kind of is, like, taking a backseat to it. And I guess maybe that's just kind of been, like, in the back of my head when I was doing my bracket. But uh, when I filled this all out, I had three Big 12 teams in my final four. Um, I have chalk with Zags. I have chalk with Baylor. Um, but then I have the team that has the biggest chip on their shoulder, I feel like, this year because the NCAA has not made up their mind what they want to do with them. And I know it, you guys both have Illinois in there, but I have Cade Cunningham and uh, and the Pokes knocking them off uh, and getting through in the Midwest. I also have uh, the Big 12 champions of the conference tournament, Texas, uh, being sure. the other yeah. Final Four team. That team, like, everybody kind of forgets, I think, like, they had that COVID break for a while, and they, they came out, they lost three straight. But those three games, again, we're talking about the Big 12, which is arguably one of the best conferences in the country. But they lost to Oklahoma, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. Like, they're not bad losses that they took. And then they rattled off uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of their next ten they won, losses only being to West Virginia and to Texas Tech. And they're playing superb basketball. We want to talk about teams playing well at the end of March here going into the tournament. I mean, I don't know. We said Oklahoma State's up there. Illinois is definitely up there. But you got to talk about Texas when you're talking about that as well. No doubt. They're playing unbelievable yeah. basketball right now. So, Bill, we I, highlighted them last week as a team to watch in the Big 12, and they found a way that third time's the charm against the Red Raiders of Texas Tech. Granted, they had a, a COVID walkover there against Kansas, but, uh, gosh, I have to think Oklahoma State was – Maybe the biggest square dog on the every shop on Saturday, and and Texas obviously wins the Big Twelve championship. So yeah, I I, I could definitely buy what you're selling there with the Longhorns. Uh, and I know Prez kind of mentioned it with Bama, how they they kind of run up and down the floor and want to play these track meets all the, all of a sudden. And you know I don't have the metrics to back this up, but my sense would be Texas is you know if we do see that regional semifinal. That, that Texas would kind of be more interested in slowing the pace down uh, and, and keeping it in the 60s or 70s. So that would be a very intriguing contrast of styles. Yeah, it's a good point that you guys make about Texas. I mean, I think that's something a lot of people probably aren't thinking. It's almost like they've been like the forgotten team in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, right. they just won. They just won right. the conference. And, <laughs> right. I mean, that's probably – like I was saying earlier, to me that's the deepest um, – Maybe not deepest, best conference. I shouldn't use the word deepest because you know they don't have as many teams as the Big Ten. But yeah, I mean that's a great point. Like their their team, maybe like you said that that COVID thing maybe shaped up um, some people's opinions. But I just feel like they're a team that no one's really talking about. And in my opinion, they don't have that difficult of a path to the Elite Eight. Where because I think they could match up pretty good with Bama. Um, you know they play somewhat of a similar style. They just like to get up and down and. Uh, should be a good gunfight, but yeah, I, I think that that's a really good point you guys make on Texas, and you know, don't count them out. I mean, it's one of the best conferences in the country. Exactly. That's again, I, it was just funny how it all panned out for me. When I look back at it after I was done making my picks on my bracket, and I'm like, wow, I got three Big Twelve schools in here <laughs> in the Final Four, and hey, again, it's the top of that conference is super, super strong, and you know, I think it's a little bit different now. I, I think back of. I'm a little bit older than you guys, but I remember the Big East being just so, so dynamic with, like, teams, you know, when you had all your Georgetown and Syracuse and and Nova and all those squads, and they just beat the shit out of each other all season. And you think it's, in a way, it's going to prepare them for the tournament, but they get the tournament, and officiating was always so different. You'd have officials in Big East that would let them play. They get the tournament, all of a sudden, they play the same style, and all of a sudden, all their guys are in foul trouble. You know, that kind of isn't the same story here where you have Big 12, you know, they're beating each other up all season long, but they don't play that kind of basketball. So, you know, it's not going to be a change of style they need to have coming into the tournament. You know, I think it's just a huge advantage that they're all tested night in and night out within their conference so that when they come to this tournament, you know, it's not like they're going to ever be like going to the next game being like, oh, we can kind of look ahead of that team because they've been programmed throughout the entire conference schedule. You literally can't look ahead because – any team in that conference can win on any single night. So, 
you know, it makes me feel a little more comfortable with my three Big 12 teams. But at the end of the day, like we said, it's March Madness. We know somebody's going to make a crazy run that nobody expects. And that is the absolute beauty of the best tournament in all sports. No doubt about it. Can't wait until we get to that first full day of games on Friday. Gosh, these next few days are going to feel really long, but mm-hmm. we're getting close as the uh, nets will soon be cut down and uh, we'll have plenty of good games before we get uh, to the regional finals and, of course, the uh, you know final four as well. All of it taking place this year in Indianapolis. So I want to thank Matt McEwen at Dead Prez Picks for joining us. Uh, Dead Prez, you made it. I hope we didn't beat you up too much. You enjoyed yourself? Yeah. I'm, always, I'm always up, so not, never an issue. <laughs> Bill, always fun. I'm sure we'll talk plenty this week. Absolutely. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. Follow me at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Give Bill a follow. You know him as Lucha Larry at Larry's Locks 2. Follow the podcast as well at Full underscore Slate underscore Pod. We'll certainly talk plenty throughout the week as far as picks uh, with the spreads and totals on the first four in the opening weekend. Again, this has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Everyone, enjoy the big dance. And, of course, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.